Welcome to the For Your Thoughts podcast, where psychology, pop culture, and self meet. It is your girl, Penny and Nasty, reporting live from the game room again for the podcast. Um, happy Black History Month. We still in this thing. Today I'm recording this on what they are saying is some really special day, uh, 2 they're saying that this day is a day to, I guess, manifest and it's not going to come around again in our lifetime. I'm not really in or keen to all of the numerologies and things, but I'm always here for a good manifest or a good like speaking what we want and being intentional. So if people are being intentional today, love that for you guys. Um, I'm going to actually read what the streets are saying about this two 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 day. Um, they say that it creates an angel number sequence, which indicates the energy of the day. In numer in numerology, the number two 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 is a reminder of the need for harmony and equilibrium. Think of a scale. It must be even at all times in order to work to ensure one side doesn't tip over. In life, we need a level and equal footing to help us grow our interests and avoid burnout. So what do all these two mean in a row? They said it means manifesting. Okay, I was right. Okay. It also is telling us that a more stable energy is on its way. Love that for me. <laughs> Shit. And chaotic as hell. Um, so the goal today is to make choices that help you find your true path instead of wobbling back and forth. So basically... If your ex texts you today or some, they trying to not wobble back and forth, I guess. But okay, on this page, it also lets me know for my sign what this means for me. So as a Virgo, the best sign in the world, because Beyonce is a Virgo. I mean, I think Michael Jackson is too. Like, say less, say less. But mine says, before you take your usual intellectual approach to understanding emotions, embrace your intuition. The less analytical you, the more the less analytical that I am, the more balanced I will be. Rather than overthinking everything, be present. Definitely need to hear that because I can't overanalyze the hell out of something sometimes. And I try not to do that all the time. So that was good advice, even if it wasn't too 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 day. So yeah, y'all. Today, we have a very special interview. I literally was able to get this from my archives. It's a perfect throwback for Black History Month because it is an interview that I did. One of my first big ones, I, ooh, let me see what year this was. I did this in Houston in 2017. And it was definitely one of my first like big interviews. I was so nervous and just listening back to it brings back so many memories and really like refueled my little fire. I really can't wait to find more of my old old interviews. And if I can put them on the podcast, I'm definitely going to do that. But it is with Amanda Seals. And Amanda Seals is perfect for Black History Month because she is all about the modern day revolution. And she is one of our like front commentators, especially via social media when it comes to all things black. She calls herself a common sense specialist. She tells jokes and she knows things. And 
Um, I we all know her from Insecure as she played Tiffany. And she also was on The Real Daytime. If you really know me, you know that I love to just watch The Real or have it playing in the background. It's one of my little things that I just really like. I love Jeannie Mai, Adrian Bailon. Love the show. <laughs> like, literally, seen every clip. So, um, Amanda Seals, we did an interview for, I think, before season two of Insecure. And this is it. And I really love this interview. It's definitely one of my favorites and I'm so happy to share it with you guys. It's definitely in celebration of being blickety black black and being smart funny and black and just being a woman who is not afraid of her power. So let's dive in. Let's just let's just get into it. How are you today? I'm good. We've gotten it together. It's been a journey. Um <laughs> We've been talking about it all morning. No, I'm good. Welcome to Houston. Yes. I saw you got your first welcome by Drake last night in the lobby, like randomly. The randomness. That's, That's so typical random. Amanda. That's my life, though. My life is the life of randomia. Definitely. It's okay. adventures in Amanda land at all times. So how excited are you for season two of Insecure? Are you as excited as all of us? <laughs> yes, I'm very excited about the show. Okay. Um, <laughs> you know, I think for a lot of us, we're just so shocked that we've come back so quick. Like, I think for the fans, they're like, what, this hasn't been quick. But for us, like we finished shooting last year in September. We went on air in October. It aired until December. And then we were back shooting again in April. Mm -hmm. So that's really no time when you think about holidays and all that stuff. So the turnaround was just super quick. And now for us to have just finished shooting in June, and all of a sudden, like, we're on air, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like, it's just not, it's not the typical um, schedule for HBO shows. Mm -hmm. So we're all just like, mm -hmm. okay, we're doing it. It's season two already. Yes, let's get it. So we met Tiffany last season briefly, and she was the epitome of, like, super bougie, aka type of style. And she seemed to be perfect. We all know that that's not the case. <laughs> on this season, will we, will, will we see any, like, dirty laundry from her or anything real, like, the real her? But see, here's the thing. That's the real her. Like, legit. Like, Tiffany really is bougie and pulled mm -hmm. up and tight. I mean, she... Like, her... When I, say that, when I say the real her, what I mean is she is somebody who's private. Like, mm -hmm. she... Like, whereas some of the other girls let it all hang out, she's like, no. Like, what happens between me and my man happens between me and my man. Mm -hmm. You know? Like, she's not really the type of gal mm -hmm. to be like blabbing her business so much. But I think what we do get to see more of her in this season is just her warmth. Like okay. last season, I felt okay. like she was a little more icy okay. this season. Mm -hmm. She's a lot more um, warm. And even though, you know, she bristles at any indication that her, her marriage is not <laughs> together. Mm -hmm. She's still a part Holds of the, it all together. yeah. And she's a part of the friend group. Like she's definitely not there to shade. Okay. See, I thought she was there to shade. Like I thought it was something in her, that was kind of mad right. from the first season. So and I'm like, that's not the case. Are we going to see what that is or see something better? No, we see something, something better. Warm. I feel like we just we just get to see that, like, you know, she's she's just a judgmental chick. Like, yeah. it's not even a personal thing as much as it's just like a, mm, do better. Yeah, okay. Okay, so how do you as Amanda Seals and your own entity relate to what Insecure represents for us as black women? How do I, Amanda Seals, and my own entity relate to what insecure represents for us as black women. Um, I mean, I'm really about 
us being the bearers of our own message and the tellers of our own stories. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that Insecure is written by a black woman and it's her story, you know, is something that doesn't happen too often these days. I mean, we're getting it a little more, but in television, you know, for far too long a time, we haven't really had our stories being told. And so for me, as somebody who is really about like defining myself and just ardently about like, you ain't gonna tell me who I am. I'm gonna decide who I am. Um, Insecure really speaks to that spirit about me. So you're Grenadian. Are you first generation or? So we were having like an argument, not an argument, but there was a debate online the other day about like what is considered first generation, what is considered second mm -hmm. generation, et cetera. So can you clarify for me? What I think that is, like I'm first generation Kenyan. So my parents were born there, but I was born here, but I'm the first person of my, like from my parents that were born here. So I'm so first generation like, Grenadian. You are, okay. Living here with your mom who is Grenadian and mm -hmm. was raised there, did you go through any struggles like with, the, with your American friends or anything? Like, cause you lived in a home Right. The Grenadian, but when you went to school, you're with American. So how was that? I mean, one, I feel like my manners level is on another level um, mm -hmm. because I think culturally, like, they don't play that. They just don't. Like, my mother has taken me back to someone's house because she said I didn't fold my linens. Yeah. Like, a sleepover, I was returned to the home. Mm -hmm. And, like, I got there and the mom was like, oh, uh, you're back. And I was like, yeah, I didn't fold the blankets. Um, so culturally, like, they're just, there's just more manners. <laughs> like, and I don't mean to say that Americans don't have manners, but West Indians be coming up with manners you didn't even know about, like cleaning the house before the maid comes. Why am I cleaning the house for the maid? Mm -hmm. um, shit like that. There's just different rules and, like, different respect things. Yes, that you're just, like, you know, different. Values and then everything. For also for me, like, there was stuff like, style wise like I was you know style wise and like I was just a late bloomer like my mom wasn't talking about sex mm -hmm. like my mom wasn't giving me no information yeah. like it was like if you stumble upon a penis I mean uh, but I ain't gonna lead you mm -hmm. you know and I just came home one day when I was 15 there were books on a couch <laughs> and that was like her version of giving me the talk mm -hmm. yeah. um so I think like those are the things that are very different like whereas like my friends with American parents like they were like literally sitting them down on a couch and like watching mm -hmm. movies on reproduction and, sh and stuff like that and I was just like oh okay I'm uncomfortable mm -hmm. um so I would say those are like two of the main ones but I had something very different with my West Indian mother that a lot of other first generation kids I feel like don't have which is that my mom was very supportive of my work in the arts yeah. and mm -hmm. A lot of first generation kids, like their parents are just like, we got you here so that you could be successful in something very solid. And that's something that arts is not. Mm -hmm. But my mom was always very, very like, you know, a do you parent. And from an early age, I was always ardent about the stuff I was pursuing, whether it was artistic or academic. And so she really just supported that. So you think that's why that you went to school for the arts and for African American studies because of your backgrounds. I know some people just go out there and they just do whatever art, acting, music, however that is. But I know that you actually went to school for this. So is that a part of the reason why? Or if not, why is that? So I originally went to school as an acting major at SUNY uh -huh. Purchase in the conservatory. And I was there for a year and then some fuck shit went down. And then I was gonna leave. I just put a video on my yeah, YouTube about it. And I was gonna leave, but then I ended up 
staying and creating my own major because I realized that if I was going to stay in school, I wanted to do something that I actually cared about. And black studies had become, you know, we don't learn about black studies when we're growing up. Mm -hmm. Like they don't teach us about us in the schools. Like I I recently had a white woman be like, I didn't even know about Juneteenth. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, either did we like that's not something they're teaching you in third grade they're like martin luther king harriet tubman and if you're lucky it's the general truth um but so once i was exposed to this in in college it just became like all-encompassing to me and then i went on and got my master's in it and that's what my work is based on for the most part you know uh i really didn't intend to do that because of necessarily like my mom's pushing, but more so just like I was just an academic kid and an artistic kid. And I find a lot of value in black culture being regarded as not just an experience, but academic because that gives it value in this country as something that everybody should know. Um, so you used to be a rapper, correct? Yeah. Right. Okay. So, did we get a bar or a line or something? Oh my God. I have never heard. Is this going to be like transcribed? Gonna, yeah, transcribed. I'm just going to post you. <laughs> um. Let's, wait, I'm trying to think of this line that I really like. Uh, it's eco-friendly. You don't call them people envy. Smile on their faces and people envy. You don't call them haters. Oh, yeah. Smile on their face, though they're green with envy. I don't call them haters. I call them eco-friendly. Okay. So, but that definitely took a turn for you. What advice do you have for people whose life is changing in a way that they did not expect it to? I'm a strong believer that if that doesn't happen, mm-hmm. something's up. Like, because we're not the same people forever. Like, so I, I, I just, there's very, there's very few people I know that have started at what they did at 18 and lived it continuously till the death and are just like, I don't need to try anything else. You know, it's, excuse me, sorry, I have contacts and just keep in mind. Um, so my thing is be patient with yourself, um, and be open to the adventure. Like I know for me, I was all about hip hop for 10 years and then it just started to no longer feel comfortable for me, which was very uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And What I ended up eventually doing was just looking at different careers that I aspired to and what were the elements behind those people that brought them to success. Mm -hmm. And one of the main uh, continual points of that was stand-up. And so when I started looking at like what I was doing and what I was about, it was like humor always filtered through everything. And... I realized that if I wanted to really be taken seriously as somebody who uses humor um, in their work and to create change, then I needed to do stand-up and be really proficient at it. Mm-hmm. And then I got the opportunity to do that, and I've really like made it my business to no matter what, no matter if I'm on a show, traveling, et cetera, like, stand-up is always at the core of what I'm building from because it's my natural voice. But I needed to go through that change 
to find that. So my advice is when you feel like things are we when you feel like things are wavering and they're not clear, go to the core of what is clear and work from there. What was clear for me was that I like to be funny. I can do all this other shit, but the number one compliment was when people would tell me you're funny. Mm -hmm. So Go work from that and build from yeah. that and see what's what's there mm -hmm. okay what did you learn about woman empowerment as a female rapper or did, um, did being a female rapper teach you anything about woman empowerment and if so what was it oh it taught me that women empowerment makes a lot of men very uncomfortable um that's why you don't see a lot of women rappers mm -hmm. uh you know, I just posted something on my Instagram today that says the rise of women does not mean the fall of men. And you should see how many of these fools are on my Instagram like, well, that's not what it looks like. And I'm just like, y'all are so fragile. Um, but, you know, a lot of times hip hop makes you feel like women's empowerment means being more like a man. And what society has deemed manhood to be, which is like lacking emotion, you know, hyper uh, tough and just loud, just loud. Things just be loud out here. And that to me is not accurate. Like women's empowerment is really just about speaking your truth fearlessly and not letting the male gaze define how you define yourself and that can be really hard in a world that is still based on you know how men view things our reproductive rights are being determined right now by a bunch of white men sitting in an office that don't know shit about they've never seen a black titty off of a porn site <laughs> so like, what you gonna tell me about a mammogram <laughs> <laughs> okay, so your t-shirt, I'm not hostile, I'm passionate. Tell all the haters who think that you're hostile what that message means. So that message came out of the incident that took place with Caitlyn Jenner that I now call the Caitlyn Clinic, where I had to school her <laughs> on her privilege and on um, on the difference in her America versus, you know, America for people of color. And... She had gotten upset with me because I was saying that Donald Trump was speaking and behaving in a way that made me say, like, he eventually could be as bad as Hitler. Like, we, we don't have any reason to say, like, he's not. And she said, well, that's hostile and I don't want to talk anymore. And I had to explain to her, like, I'm not being hostile. I'm passionate about these issues because they affect us. They affect all of us. And when I say I'm not hostile, I'm passionate, what that means is just because something makes you uncomfortable or somebody is speaking in a way that is direct and that is sure and that is intelligent doesn't mean that it's an attack. And when it's coming from black women, far too often it's considered as an attack. Um, I've had times where I'm literally speaking in a monotone, calm voice, but I'm just speaking so much truth that it's just daggers coming for your face. And the person is like, you're attacking me. I don't like your attitude. And it's like, no, you just don't like how this truth is making you feel. And there's a reason why there's a phrase that says the truth hurts. Because no matter how you deliver it, if you're not able to receive it, 
it's going to affect you. So I'm not hostile. I'm just passionate is, is really about, you know, black women, especially, um, but anybody can wear it who identifies with it, taking ownership of the fact that when we say things and we say them earnestly, it doesn't mean that it's invalid because when people put violence behind something, they make it invalid. You're going to have a hell of a time doing this edit and I apologize. No, it's good. Okay, so as a revolutionary woman and a comedian, um, some may describe, and you've been described as having a huge personality. So how do you handle people who think that you are too much? Fuck them. Next question. Yep. So, um, <laughs> I'm not for everyone. Yep. That's a, Do you see my Instagram? <laughs> I'm not for everyone. So what advice do you have, you know, with dating as a, revo- as a revolutionary woman who has their own, does their own? I mean, I'm single, so you can take it or leave it. But I need, I just, my advice isn't even for women. My advice is for men. Like, let your actions be indicative of of your desire. So if you really want me, like, act like it. And I think far too often the games come from just the, the behaviors not lining up with what's actually being said is the desire, you know? And for a woman like me who is quote unquote a revolutionary woman or who is independent, I don't have time to figure you out because I'm trying to figure out how to change the world. So either come in, rock with me to do that or go electric slide somewhere else. (laughs) Penny just looked into my soul. She was like. I watch your IG stories like all the time. What I tell you? Bed. Like, and um, you said before you go to bed? No, literally like bedtime stories. Like, and, and or if I'm in a bad mood, literally I like you bring my spirits up. So I want to know how like you stay in such good spirits, even though I know people always have bad days. You probably just don't see that part. I'm and, just making money, honestly. Mm. Um, I, <laughs> I mean, uh, to be very, very yeah. honest, I live in a sunny climate. I get to live my dream every day. Yeah. I make money doing my dream and I'm surrounded by incredible people who support me in my dream professionally and personally. Like I have good friends and I have like a great staff. Like mm-hmm. Sasha's here, yes. Janice is here. Janice uh-huh. flew in here for 12 hours. Mm-hmm. Like just to rock out with the kid. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know what it's like to not have that. So now that I do have it, I don't take it for granted. And so even when I'm frustrated, I have friends who, I have friends and I have a team who will let me vent. Yeah. You know, and you, won't... you even vent on your IG stories. I like that too. You'll be real. If somebody pisses you off, you're gonna let us know. Like, you get both of it. So because I hated, I I just I feel like I'm I'm finally reaching a point where folks are getting to see like what I've always known I had right mm-hmm. on a larger scale, and that's a very exciting thing for an artist, right? But there was a lot of time where I was the one watching people on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And I was always watching a highlight reel. And it fucks with you. Definitely. It fucks with you. We live in an age now where you're only seeing people's wins. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, what am I doing wrong that I'm taking these L's every day? Like like hiring depression rates too and anxiety. Yes. Anxiety. I mean, who don't know themselves. And who knows themselves? These days, I feel like it's so much harder to know yourself because you have so 
much bombarding you of everybody else. You learning about everybody else's day, everybody else's likes, everybody else's gripes on FaceTime, on Facebook, etc. You don't even have time to just explore your own. And so on my Instagram stories, I really try my best to be myself, but also to encourage others to like learn themselves, you know, and like look at your life and look at yourself and explore yourself because it's so easy to go down the rabbit hole of everybody else and lose sight of you. That's another reason why I'm single, because a lot of these niggas don't know themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, I watched a dude spend a minute, a whole minute on his Instagram doing this. What did I learn from you other than this left eyebrow <laughs> is not groomed as well as the right? Literally. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, wait, what was the question? <laughs> 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 okay, so do you have any self-care, daily routines, or it's just you just have a good team, you are doing what you love, and... I try to meditate. I'm not the best at it. Uh, I started playing tennis, and that has actually been, like, a nice thing that I've integrated into my life that's just not work-related. Like, it has nothing to do with work. And yet, it's still, for someone who's competitive like myself, it allows me to be competitive in a space that doesn't have stakes that could determine whether I buy my mama a house or not, you know? Um, And then I really do try to just, like, live my life. Like, I know that work and succeeding at your goal is so much about American culture, but I just feel like so much about me as a writer and a creator is about... It comes from the life I live, so... For instance, like, last night, Drake was like, come to this thing we're doing. And I'd never met him before. Um, and I'm in Houston, and I need to get up early. But I'm like, you have to go for the story. Like, you know, like, you have no kids. <laughs> you And you might as well. But, like, I do that because I really try not to let work get in the way of living and try to get try to let living inspire work Mm -hmm. and sometimes we can be taught differently than that and then next thing you know we've done all the work and we forgot to live Mm -hmm. so my self-care a lot of times is literally just like trying to make time to not do shit Mm -hmm. you know like last week Estelle was like yo let's go to the beach and I was so mad because I just couldn't like I really literally just couldn't and I was like damn B too much work <laughs> and then I was like thanks B too much work you know so what else are you up to and can you tell us about the smart funny and black comedy show and working with Wayne Brady you did some research boy um so Smart Funny and Black is a show that I do every first Tuesday at Nerd Melt in LA. Uh, we've had amazing guests that range from Wayne Brady to Issa Rae to Ron Funches, um, Brisha Webb, and it's my brainchild, and it's a, basically using the game show format to celebrate black culture through various games that explore black history, black experience, and black pop culture in front of a live audience. And um, we are in the process of selling it to a TV network. And 
I just really was tired of seeing the amount of negative images of black people in media outside of like outside of like the comedy space, but just on on the news, et cetera. Like our stories are so often about like, you know, being murdered by cops and, you know, just negative. narratives that are not our own. And I was like, we need a safe space where we can celebrate. And um, I write the show, you know, every month. And it's a difference. so yeah. Tiffany is in a full wig, giving you her best life. <laughs> and and Amanda is beneath it, like, yay, we still got our waves. You, like, take it off on uh, Instagram, too? <laughs> because who are we fooling? Like, you know, it's like, come on. I just feel like we just have... Women, we just have to do so much faking for who? Yeah. 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 (laughs) You know, like, I'm wearing this wig because I think it's cute, and I'm going to take it off, and I'll still be cute, um, and that's fine, too. Mm -hmm. But when I'm wearing it, I don't want you to think it's a wig. Do you understand what I'm saying? But that's just because of style, not because I think it's not cute, but it's like you want it to look natural. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the end of the day, you're like, aha, I got you, bitch, you know? So... (laughs) The question you had asked me before my panic attack was, you had asked me... What are you up to? And then tell us about Marks Money and Black. Oh, so... talk about the Marks Money and Black. So it's Marks Money and Black. We sell out every month because there's there's just not that much black stuff in L.A. Excuse me. And I'm just really happy that I can be a part of, like, bringing that to the fore. Um, and it is my baby. Like, my whole baby. Also working on a book. So I'm sure folks who keep asking me on Instagram, like, when are you going to write a book? It's in the works. It's mm-hmm. happening. And it's, um, I just had a call today. It's really happening. And uh, moving forward. And you can also always catch me doing stand-up. I'm about to be hitting the road for some things as well. So lastly, what do you want the world to know about Amanda Seals? Um, what do I want the world to know about Amanda Seals? You don't like heat in your hair. I don't right. like heat in my hair. And she doesn't like rustic makeup. I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, girl, it was a morning. I did not. Um, that. Why is this something me? What do I want the world? You're asking me deep questions. What do I want the world to know about Amanda Seals? That what you see is what you get. I think sometimes when people see like people with big personalities, they think it's being put on or, you know, that it's like coming from a fake place or insecurity. And um, it's not. It's really coming from a place of like, I've, feel like I've started coming into really figuring out how to live my best life and I am really fortunate to have a platform and people who are interested in my thoughts on how to do that and applying it to themselves through humor.